Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. I uh, love a good celebrity sighting story. I hope that some of you have them. I have a few in my back pocket. I'll share with you one. Uh, I was in college, and uh, I, I was a theater brat in college, so on fall break, spring break, you know, spring break, people would go to the beach. I, we would go to New York City. So that's just kind of what we do. Slum it out on the floor of some friend's apartment, uh, maybe with a pillow and a sleeping bag, and then we would spend all of our money just to buy tickets to go see a show on Broadway. Like, that's, that's what we did. That was kind of our, our thing to do. Well, one fall break, we went up to New York City, and we were doing this, and we just happened to land tickets to a musical called Aida, which had been on Broadway for, for several years at that point, and we, just, we were so excited. Like, well, we can't believe we got these tickets. I mean, they were spread out, but we got these tickets, and it was great, and we, we showed up to the show that night, and it just so happened that there was a cast change that took place that uh, night, and it was the first night that Michelle Williams of Destiny's Child was taking over the lead role for that show. Some of you might be lost on who that is, but that's okay. We'll go back up like 17 years and you'll be there. So here's the thing. We show up and there's like red carpet rolled out and there's like limousines pulling up and we're like, what is going on? All of her friends decided to show up and support her for her opening night on Broadway. So like literally two seats behind me is Will I Am from the Black Eyed Peas. I kid you not, right there behind me, six rows behind him, Will Smith, okay, sitting there. So I did what anybody would do at intermission. I grab my playbill, I turn around, there's Will I Am, and I say, hey, can I get your autograph? And he just looks at me, like rolls his eyes, and, and obliges, he signs. Now, I understand in that moment, like in that moment, I felt like this, this is weird, like this is wrong. I'm asking him to sign a playbill for a show that he's not in. He's just watching, right? So this feels very wrong, but, but I did it anyway, and if you've never had uh, someone roll your eyes at you, maybe you have, like, you know what that experience is. Now, now triple that. You know, it's a celebrity. It's a big deal. And they roll their eyes at you. I carry that with me for the rest of my life. We love a good celebrity sighting story. They're great to sell at parties. We like to pull them out. It's like a chance encounter kind of takes place where we just happen to be at the right place at the right time with the right people. Right? When we're at the right place at the right time with the right people, good things can happen. Maybe it's like a job opportunity that opens up for you. That's the way it was for my family. My father just happened to be at the right place at the right time with the right people. He served alongside somebody at a, at a church as a volunteer, and they were making a move. And so he was able to get a job interview and made the move. And we ended up in Raleigh, and that changed the trajectory of our family forever, right? Because we were in the right place at the right time with the right people. That might be true for you. There might be some moment in your life where everything just seemed to get into alignment and you were in the right place, the right time, with the right people, and something really magical happened, right? This is, husbands, this is where you nudge your wife and you're like, yeah, that's what happened, right? This is your cue, okay. But here's the thing, like sometimes like we might get one of those out of place, right? If you're in the right place at the right time, but you have the wrong people, disaster can strike, right? Like you could have a great apartment at the best time of your life, but if you have the really bad roommate, 
it's a disaster, right? It's a nightmare story, right? You could be stuck somewhere at an airport. You could be at the right place, and maybe it's, it's the right time. But if you're with the wrong people, it's not very fun, is it? And if you have two of those things wrong, then, then it's pretty bad, right? If you're in the wrong place at the right time with the wrong people, like that can be bad. And you know about wrong people because your mom told you growing up, well, it's not what you did. It's who you were with, right? We have that kind of thing. You might also have the right place and the wrong time and the wrong people, right? And so maybe you were at the right place, but things just didn't work out for you. Here's the trifecta. If you're in the wrong place, wrong time, wrong people. Some of us have moments like that in our life, and maybe it was a a space that we found ourselves in or something that happened by something that we ourselves did. Usually, there's a lot of tragedy associated with wrong place, wrong time, wrong people. It could be a huge moment of regret. In fact, there might be a lot of shame associated with a, a moment like that. Maybe we don't even talk about it anymore. But there's something about that that can happen in our lives, being in the wrong place, wrong time with the wrong people. But here's what I believe. Even if you're in the wrong place, and even if you're in the wrong time, if you're with the right people, that can change everything. And maybe you've been in a situation like that where things just seem to spiral out of control. You felt like you were in the wrong place at the wrong time, but somebody came alongside you, a friend, a mentor, somebody was beside you. You didn't get that job, but someone was there to carry it through and say, hey, it's not, it's not you, like it's just not the right time, it's not the right spot for you, but we love you. Or, or maybe there was like some sort of relational thing, but if you're with the right people, no matter what's going on, the right people can come alongside you and encourage you and carry you through a situation can carry you through anything, whether it's a tragedy, a question of faith, something small, anything. The right people can make a difference. Jesus was fortunate enough to demonstrate uh, this in the way that he chose his disciples. I mean, he was able to just kind of pick his right people. Sometimes I think, man, it would be so nice if I could just pick my friends. And then I realize, oh wait, that is kind of what we get to do, right? But he just picked people, he picked the right people, and he said, hey, come with me, let's go. And along throughout the Gospels, we see just story after story of Jesus and his disciples being in the right place, right time with the right people. I mean, you think about the blind man that was healed. You think about a a girl that had died, and yet Jesus is able to bring her back to life. You think about religious leaders who thought they had it all together, but they come to him with questions, and he's able to answer them in the middle of the night. You think about an adulterous woman who was literally about to be stoned to death, and Jesus intervenes because she just happened to be at the right place at the right time with the right people. We could go on and on. We could talk about the woman at the well. We could talk about the tax collector who's hanging out in a tree. And when we look at it from that perspective, when we read that, uh, those accounts in the gospel, we think, wow, they were in the right place at the right time with the right people. But here's the thing, for the guy that can't walk, every day of his life, he thinks, man, I'm in the wrong place. I am in the wrong time. Until Jesus shows up and he meets the right person and it changes everything. Knowing the right person can literally change everything. Growing up, uh, we used to call this in the, in the church that I grew up in, and those of you who grew up in church, maybe this is a familiar phrase for you. For those of you who didn't, you're going to be like, what? Um, it's called a divine appointment. You ever heard that? 
Divine appointment is the idea that something is happening in your life and yet somebody shows up at just the right moment and it's like this weird God thing sort of happens and you both leave going, well, man, man, like that was, like God did that. Like God was able to do that. that. That could only come from him. And there was this idea of a divine appointment that might happen in your life. And it could be, you know, something simple like, man, you got a flat tire and someone just happens to pull up and be like, I know how to change flat tires. And they help you out. I would not be me. I can't change flat tire. I don't know how to do it. Uh, I need to YouTube that and then I can do it. Okay. Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe like you were in a position where you needed something, something to work out and the right person just showed up at this God-ordained kind of moment. This divine appointment helped you out. That was me going to college. I didn't have money to, I didn't know how I was going to afford to live on campus. And somebody I have never met still to this day, haven't met, wrote me a check and said, here you go. You can live on campus for your first semester. Maybe it's uh, you're going through something in your life and, and that friend you haven't seen or spoken to in a long time just out of the blue calls you to ask and say, hey, how are you doing? I just wanted to check in on you. It's been a while. How can I pray for you? Man, that's like a, that's like a divine appointment. Knowing the right person can change everything for us. But here's the thing about divine appointments. Growing up, I used to always hear like, like the idea there is that as we are going through our life and through our day or through our week, like someone might cross our path, like, like God might send someone on our path that we are meant to then share the love of Jesus with, like that might happen. So, so you want to be sure that you're ready for that. And that's kind of the idea of the divine appointment. But over the last several weeks, we've been having this conversation about being active in our faith, about how we can be in prayer for someone, about how we are listening to them, how we can eat with them, how we can serve them, and how we then can share the story of Jesus with them, what he's done in our life. And it's kind of flipped that idea for me. It's kind of changed my perspective on the idea of a divine appointment. And then it's not just that maybe God is placing uh, these people in my path, but it's also the idea that maybe God is placing me in their path. It's a, it's a subtle shift. I know, I know it's like, like what, what is that? It's a, it's a very tiny shift in the way of thinking, but the implications are huge. Because when I understand that it's not that God is just sending people in my path, which is a very self-centered way to think, the, the, the intent there, the flip, is that maybe I'm being sent to theirs. Maybe I'm somebody else's chance encounter. And I think Paul was trying to illustrate that for us. This is what Paul said. He said, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but what? Take an interest in others too. And here's, here's the crux for it. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. And what was the attitude that Jesus had? He made himself a servant and he loved others. He, he was on mission all the time. When Jesus sent his disciples on mission. He said, go and make disciples. Go help people know about me. Go help people follow Jesus. The action like was on them. It was their job to go do that. So it's not just waiting around hoping that somebody shows up. It's actually the idea that I am intentionally shifting my mindset to be less of me and more for others. That means that when I wake up in the morning, if I'm living a life that's on mission, then before my feet hit the ground, I'm saying, these aren't my feet, they're yours. When I step out of my house in the morning, these aren't my hands, they're yours. 
My eyes aren't mine. My mouth, my words aren't mine. My time isn't mine. Because I am being sent out every single day to be on mission, to be somebody else's chance encounters. The idea of this divine appointment flips a little bit because now it's on me. And I think sometimes we fall into this trap of just hoping, waiting, being ready in case someone just happens to ask us a question. But here's the thing, and this is what I believe, that waiting on divine intervention is not a replacement for my daily obedience. The mission that we have been given, if you're a follower of Jesus, is to go and spread his message of hope, love, and truth with everyone. And if we're waiting and hoping that maybe somebody might cross our path, then we're getting it wrong. Just simply waiting for that to happen dismisses completely the command of Jesus to go. And my obedience is what he asks for to his command to do that. Jesus said it to his followers himself. He said, you are what? The salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? He also said in that same passage, you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed where? On a stand. Why? It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. It's the idea that we individually are salt scattered on the earth. The idea that we are a lampstand for other people to notice and see God. That is the mission that he has given us. And I get it, in a self-centered kind of world, it's very difficult because we wake up and it's all about me. It's all about us. So the mission we interpret through that filter and we're waiting for God to send us people rather than for us to be intentional and share his love with them. Because, I mean, we literally live in a world where we pay people for attention, right? You've heard that? Where we're getting a cup of coffee And they are there to serve us, and we completely dismiss the call of us to serve them. We're quick to point out bad service at a a restaurant, but man, they're our waiter. They're supposed to serve us. Nope. In in a greater kingdom mindset, you are there to serve them. You have been sent to that restaurant. You've been sent to your neighborhood. Paul also said it this way. I encourage you to read this whole passage. Um, We're we're kind of jumping. But because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work kind of hard. We might think about. We're waiting. No, we work hard to persuade others. There's an intentional drive there that happens. He goes on to say, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died, why? For everyone, so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. It's a selfless mindset. Instead, they will live for Christ, his mission, who died and was raised for them. For God is in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That is amazingly huge. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. It was given to us. You understand? So, as a result, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. 
That is the message that we have been given. That is the message of hope. That's the mission that we have. There's not like a plan B. There's not like another option. It's not like, well, if that doesn't work out, then, then here's what we'll do instead. Jesus is like, no, no, this is it. This is the mission. To go and make disciples, to go and help people follow Jesus. Don't just wait around for somebody to show up. As you go, locally, as you go, regionally, as you go, internationally, your role as a follower of Jesus is to help people know him. Waiting for that divine intervention is not a replacement. We are called to be obedient disciples and obedient followers. You understand that you might be someone else's chance encounter? Here's what I believe. This is a, this is a statement. It's pretty simple, but it's something that uh, I've been wrestling with for several years. And the more I think about it, the more I believe it to my core that the best way for someone to know God is to know someone who knows God. Let that sink for just a second. The best way for someone to know God is to know someone who knows God. The best way for your neighbor to meet Jesus is for them to meet someone who knows Jesus. That seems so basic, doesn't it? But you understand that that you're the person, you're the chance encounter. The best way for our kids to meet Jesus is to know someone who knows Jesus. That's why we say, hey, if you want a place to serve, man, students, kids, like that's a place because every kid needs a voice in their life that, that knows God. Because the only way they're ever going to know God is to know someone who knows God. The only way that you're, you're the coach on your team for your kids is going to know God is, is to know someone who knows God. God has placed you there. Your neighbors, your coworkers, the best way for them to know God is for them to know someone who knows God. And here's the thing. We look at this idea of a chance encounter, and when we flip it that way, like it changes everything. When we, when we realize that we are somebody else's chance encounter to know Jesus, doesn't that like drive you a little bit? That should motivate, it shouldn't scare you. Like that's not a scary thing. Like Jesus gave you his spirit. That message of reconciliation is in you. Don't, don't, don't back away from that. Work hard for that. He's given it to you to be his light, to be salt on the earth. Here's the thing. If someone has a chance encounter with you, then they have a greater chance to have a chance encounter with Jesus. And do you know what a chance encounter with Jesus does? I'm sure you do. But just in case you don't remember, a chance encounter with Jesus has the power to change the world. A chance encounter with Jesus has the power to change a life. A chance encounter with Jesus has the power to shape a child's future. A chance encounter with Jesus has the power to free slaves. It has the power to end death. It has the power to destroy sin. It has the power to heal. It has the power to forgive. It has the power to restore. It has the power to redeem. That's what a chance encounter with Jesus can do for someone. And maybe you're the link for them to know that. In just a few moments, we are going to 
uh, do something that Jesus asked his followers to do. It was, it was this idea that we would share a meal together, that we would, we would share a moment where we reflect and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. And so, so the way we're gonna do that today is first of all, we, we, need to, we need to think about something. Paul wrote to followers of Jesus and he said, hey, listen, when you do this, you need to pause for just a second. You need to, you need to hit the pause button and you need to examine yourself. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus in the room, like this is for you. If you're in this room and, and you're like, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, like I'm still discovering what that means or I haven't given my life over to him, I haven't come to that place yet where I'm all in, then, then I would just politely say to you, like, and there, nobody's gonna judge you, like that this, this moment that we're doing isn't for you, it's really for God's people as followers, okay? And so you are welcome to, to watch, and, but we would ask that you don't participate. It's kind of like that family, and that's not a judgment thing, it's just, it's just the instruction that we've been given in scripture. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, who would say, you know what, I, I, am, I want to live on mission, like I want to be on mission with Jesus, then, it, then what we are instructed to do is to pause and to look at ourselves for a moment. And Paul kind of addresses three things. He says, you need to look at your relationship with God. Is your life one of surrender? Is, is your life one lived in worship? And I'll be honest with you, like completely honest. For me, this is a hard conversation. This is just, again, something that I've been, been learning over the last several weeks to kind of flip that idea to, to be less of me, less of me, because our, our, our lens is so skewed to think of ourselves, right? So that's one. Our relationship with others, believers, like are, is there anything in your relationship with somebody else that maybe is out of whack that you need to go and seek forgiveness? And then also, is there anything in your relationship with the community where, where somebody could point at, at that and say, hey, you're withholding things and you're not serving in the way people could point and maybe say, hey, you're neglecting people who are right in front of us. So we're gonna ask our worship team, they're gonna, they're gonna lead us in a time of worship. And as you talk with Jesus, as you pray to him, as, as you clear out that, look, this is a time, church, where we get to kind of clean out that heart. We kind of get to hit the, hit the reset. We kind of get to say, God, take me further in my relationship with you. Help me to see where I've been deficient, just waiting on divine. Maybe I need to take some, some level of obedience and start being intentional about how I serve those around me. This is your opportunity to do that as well. And as we worship together, as you hear from God, as you, as you work out all of the, look, nobody in this room is perfect. All of us got pride issues at the baseline. As we root that out to discover how we can have less of us and more of Jesus, or maybe there's something in your life where it just needs to be cleaned out. Again, knowing the right person can change everything. So we're gonna take a moment to just spend time with Jesus. So as they worship, as we worship together, in front of you, you'll see a, a cup. And on the top, there's two layers. The first is, is the bread that represents the body of Christ that's been broken for us. And under that is the cup and that represents the blood that he shed for us. But don't rush into that. 
Look, Paul warns us, don't rush into it. He says, take the time to examine your relationships with God, with others, and with our world. So spend some time praying to him. And as you are led, take communion. Let's worship him. Jesus, thank you so much for giving us this mission, for entrusting it to us. And we make it optional. <laughs> I don't know why we do that. We think it's, we think it's just an option if we, if we are so inclined. But God, you have strategically placed us in other people's pathway. Forgive us for thinking it's the other way around, for thinking so self-centeredly that we think that you've sent them just to us, but God, help us to change our hearts that we understand that we are sent out. Forgive us of that. Forgive me of that. Search our hearts now, God. Reveal to us what is not known to us. And what is known to us, God, let us confess it and repent of it and turn 180 degrees away from it so that this world, our neighbors, our co-workers, where we go to school, God, that, that as we are going and as we are being sent, God, that we would understand we are salt scattered. We are light on the earth. Don't let us just take this cup. Don't let us just take this bread without considering that you have also given us a calling a mission to love, to go, to serve, to help other people know you. God, make us the chance encounter for someone. But first, clean us out. It's the name of Jesus we pray.